When I came to know Bob and Mary, for example, Bob had been in the pastorate for 20 years. And during that time, he had pastored six different churches, six different churches in that period of time, 20 years. He would come, he would pastor the church, and there he would experience difficulties in getting along with people. And eventually his wife Mary experienced a severe nervous, what they call a nervous breakdown. They'd come to see me, and in my data gathering it was revealed that in every instance, their inability in terms of the church, what would lead to them leaving a church, taking a new church, was that they were having severe conflicts at home and in the church. In most cases, a group of people in the church would become unhappy with something the pastor or his wife or family had done or said. And the wife Mary would lose her patience and then the result was that they began to look for another church and in that period of time they were in six different churches and they left all six churches for the same reason. Mary and her husband didn't know how to respond to disagreements or to dis- to difficulties. And as a result, they were just moving from one church to the other. They would become upset, and then they would begin to look for another church. Occasionally, they would pretend that nothing was wrong, and then they would be unappreciated. And gradually, the internal pressure would become so intense that the wife would go berserk and the husband would follow along with her in the same pathway. Well, their way of responding to difficulties and differences of opinion Uh, had been very disastrous. The wife Mary was an internalist and the husband was a confronter. In other words, Mary wouldn't say anything. She'd just push it down and be very miserable herself and it would spill over into their marriage relationship. But the husband would fight with anybody who came along. He was very open with his opinions and very dogmatic about those opinions. And if people wouldn't agree with him, then he would also begin to uh, become very upset and say things that he shouldn't say and begin looking for another church. Well, the husband's way of responding to conflicts was that he was a fighter. Mary was a suppressor. Bob was a confronter. 
Bob would take a stand and carefully and specifically explain why the other person's position was not right. He would do it in a feisty kind of way. And he would tell them why their positions were wrong. And finally, people would do some things and capitulate to the pastor, but they still weren't having good relationships, and they became polarized in their opposition to the pastor, or else they withdrew from the church. Eventually, when too many people responded to the pastor, they would think about, the pastor and his wife would think about leaving, or the people would leave. And so they were just moving from one church to another in a very brief period of time until they ran out of churches to which they could go or would even think about them as far as becoming a pastor. Bob and Mary's personal happiness was being destroyed by their sinful ways of dealing with disagreements. More than that, their effectiveness for Christ's service declined severely. They were both gifted people who could have contributed significantly to the building up of fellow Christians. Unfortunately, their contributions were severely impaired by the way they dealt with conflicts. Scripture declares that peacemakers who sow in peace cause a harvest of righteousness. That's James chapter 3 and verse 18. If you want to produce a harvest of righteousness in your family, James says that you should not expect this to occur in a home marked by fighting and quarreling. It will happen in families where peacemakers, if you want a harvest of righteousness, people must be peacemakers. And they must sow in peace. That's what the scripture says. If they sow in peace, they will reap the harvest of righteousness. In Psalm 133, the Bible emphasizes that same thought. It compares unity in the family or with other brethren with the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron when he was set apart for a priestly ministry in Exodus chapter 29 and verse 7 and Exodus chapter 30 and verse 25. He was thereby, by the pouring of oil on him, that was the way of anointing a priest at that time, he was set aside for the Lord's use. The psalmist says that 
when you have a situation and want to maintain unity, you must be set apart for the Lord's service. In an atmosphere of peace and unity, God blesses and uses people in a special way. And where there is that lack of peacemaking or preventing of conflicts and then making peace, you will not have a harvest of righteousness. Another phrase in Psalm 133 that establishes this concept even further is the phrase where the psalmist compares peace and unity among brothers to the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. That's Psalm 133 and verse 3. Now, between the rains of early spring and late summer in Palestine at that point, there was little precipitation that fell upon Palestine. And if the crops were to grow, they needed additional moisture. Fortunately, the scriptures indicate, and history also teaches us, that when conditions prevail, there's a harvest of righteousness. When they fail, they had to have the moisture which came by way of the dew. And they had a particular strong dew in that particular area of the country. And that's what kept the harvest from becoming a complete disaster. Fortunately, unless severe conditions prevailed, many sections of Palestine were blessed with the heavy dew. Nowhere, however, was the dew heavier than around Mount Hermon. And as a result, the fields in this area usually bore an abundant harvest. In similar fashion, the psalmist indicates that God's blessing is abundantly bestowed on people, individuals, families, churches, where there is unity. Drought conditions may prevail all around these people, around these churches. Evil may oppose the work of God in the church or in the lives of the people, but in their relationships, in and out of the home, as well as in the church, the blessing of God, Psalm 133, yields a harvest of righteousness. Now someone has said that most American marriages go through several phases. Phase one is entitled enchantment. Marriages during this courtship phase are enchantment. 
or the early days of marriage may be enchantment. That's when romance reigns. Everything is wonderful, and one's mate can do no wrong. Whatever minor flaws or differences exist, the couple believes are not all that serious. And they don't allow them to interfere in their marriage relationship. That's phase one, which we call enchantment. And then there comes phase two. This is the reality or the conflict phase. Where either marriage partners are forced to recognize that they don't always see eye to eye. Previously, they didn't, but they failed to recognize that that was true, and so they pushed their differences down. Gradually, they began to realize that they didn't marry themselves. They see that the other person has real faults, and that they have some strong differences on certain issues. Slowly, but in some cases more rapidly, the conflicts arise between them. And so you have the enchantment phase, and then you have the beginning of the marriage phase, and then you have the reality or conflict phase, where the couples realize and acknowledge to themselves at least that they have some pretty severe differences. They haven't learned how to handle those differences or solve those differences, but now they come to the fore. And then people finally come to the place where they think they can't handle those differences and they move toward divorce. And so you have people who are pushed into the unhappy status quo phase of marriage where they just exist, but they aren't really in harmony and enjoying their relationship. This particular third group then goes on to realize that they are not handling their disagreements and the disagreements turn into conflicts. A disagreement is one thing, it's just a difference of opinion, but then a conflict is when an emotional element comes into play and it kills the good feelings toward the other person. And so they've never learned how to handle their disagreements and prevent or resolve their conflicts. As a result, they move into a what we call the uh, growth or development phase. And for them, marital or family disagreements provide the context for a lack of progress and severe conflicts with an emotional element to it, where you lose the warmth toward the other person and the good feelings toward the other person as well they progress into what we could call a maturing relationship 
or growth phase if they don't know how to handle their conflicts. If they learn how to handle their conflicts, resolve their conflicts, then they can move forward into an even deeper relationship. But until they learn how to do that, they're in constant in conflict or disagreement. And so progress and on the train on the job training in applying biblical principles is so necessary. These people are not reaping a harvest of righteousness because they've not learned the important skills of preventing or resolving conflicts. Well, the question is, how do you become a peacemaker? If you want to harvest righteousness, you have to be a peacemaker, the scriptures say. How do you harvest righteousness? How do you become a peacemaker where you learn how to resolve conflicts rather than become a warmonger? What's involved in preventing and resisting conflicts biblically? Well, understanding why conflicts arise out of disagreements is important. Disagreements that are not handled properly turn into conflicts, which begins to affect the marriage relationship. Or if it's outside of the relationship, marriage relationship, they reflect church relationships or relationships with other people in general. So the question is, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? That's the question that James chapter 4 and verse 1 asks. And understanding why they arise is the first step in overcoming them. You have members of the same family with different personalities. Obviously, they're not the same. They're not carbon copies of one another. Their perspectives and their values, their gifts, their abilities, their interests, their likes, their dislikes, their level of education, the level of their intelligence and of their training enters into this. These disparities, these differences, frequently provide occasion for misunderstandings that can lead to contention. And so differences is a major contributor to family conflicts if they're not handled properly. Because of different gifts and talents God has given to us, as described in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, and certain chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians, we may have a deeper interest in certain things than other family members do. It's easy for us to think that everyone should be as devoted to a particular concern as we are. If others are not, we can become pushy and communicate that there is something wrong with them for their lack of interest in what you're interested in, or their lack of excitement about what you're excited about. Contrasting styles of decision-making can lead to family quarrels. Some people make decisions very quickly, others much more slowly. 
one group sizes up the situation rapidly and they reach a quick conclusion. Others are much slower in sizing up the situation and they procrastinate. They analyze, they reanalyze, they wait, they gather more facts before deciding. They don't want to act in haste. So while the first group who makes decisions quickly may become impatient with the second group or much slower in making decisions, and the second group may feel pressured by the first, and tension may lead to contention. Different lifestyles can breed problems in the home. 45-year-old couple had been squabbling for years. It was evident that they were opposite in many ways, but especially in the pace of their lives. At 65, she was still living in the best time of her life. She uh, hurried in whatever she did and wherever she went. She worked full-time as a nurse and had thoughts of continuing to work as a nurse. She had no thoughts about retiring. Her husband wasn't at all like that and never had been. He was slow, very, very slow. When he moved, he did so just barely. It seemed that the only thing he had done fast was getting tired. He had long since retired from full-time employment, and she was still chugging along, very excited about what she was doing and the possibilities she had in her job. When his wife would leave in the morning, she would ask this retired man to do certain things around the house. And he would respond with, uh-huh, uh-huh. On her return after work, she would find out that many of the things that she had mentioned that she would like him to do were not done. She would become very upset. He promised he would change, but he never did. And so her emotional reaction to it began to rise even more. Eventually her anger intensified to the point that she would actually take a butcher knife and chase him around the house. That's what was happening. She was so angry because they were so different. Punctuality is another area in which people may differ. In some 
people's lives being on time or ahead of time is a very high priority. Schedules are made to be kept regardless of what happens. For others, the promptness is not crucial at all. If they arrive around the appointed time, or at least before the event is over, that's fine. Flexibility and responsiveness needs are more important than punctuality. So they disagree as far as the importance of punctuality or keeping commitments on time. Even such a matter as how food should be prepared may be the catalyst for family discord. A physician and his wife were experiencing severe family disruption. Though conflicts had developed on many things, one of the hottest areas of conflict had to do with food preparation. Because of his concern about cholestomy, he thought she could cook everything with water. She maintained that cooking with the right kind of oil was satisfactory. Besides, she considered the kitchen to be her realm, and she didn't like him telling her what she should do in her domain. And then, two differences in age, in training, in priorities, in values, or in terms of experience, may account for many variances in viewpoint between people and their children or people and each other. Exactly when training children, the parents must <coughs> make allowance for their age and for the experience gap. Their children don't know as much as they do. They haven't had the experiences that they had. And so they must, in these terms of some people, leap in and do what Paul said. He Forget what Paul said when he said, I when I was a child. I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. And it was when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. Well, some people have never been willing to do that and they're married to someone who is and that is a source of disagreement which may lead to conflicts. Well, parents must remember that children are children and that they will perform and behave as children as well. Parents must remember that the child's way of viewing things is not the same as the adult's way of viewing things. The child's way of doing things is different from the way that they did it. They don't do it nearly as quickly. 
And so that can cause differences even between the parents as well as between the parents and children. Well, parents must remember that a child's way of viewing things may be different because of experience or just because of age. And so these are areas in which the husbands and wives can disagree as well as parents and child children. They have to learn how to resolve those conflicts. Read 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11, which makes this very clear. Parents become the parents, and they must be people who are willing to make adjustments and think in terms of the differences, age and differences in experience and differences in teaching. They must keep that in mind. Parents must remember that the child's way of viewing things is different. And they must realize that even people who are adults may view things differently. So, in families where they don't keep that in mind and don't handle those different perspectives properly, the conflict which involves an emotional element can arise.